Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us each week as we break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what is going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Barbagat. I'm a journalist. While it doesn't make as many headlines as it did a year ago, the war in Ukraine is raging on. While there's no end in sight right now, some watchers think that three countries will play the biggest role in ending the conflict, and they might surprise you. Keith joins me now to tell us about the need for a G3 alliance. Hello, Uh, Keith. Hello. Which countries, according to uh, this article, which is by Michael Clare, hold the key to ending the war in Ukraine? We've just had the G7. G stands for group. So we have the G77, which is much larger than that now, but they're the what you could call the southern countries, so less developed countries in Latin America, Africa, etc. That's a well-known, well-established group. The G7 came along about 40 years ago, so they're the group of the richest Western countries and Japan, and they've just had their meetings last week. Mm. And now the proposal is that we have a G3, and we're jumping over the G2. <laughs> now, the G2 was originally the United States and China. And in this series, we've looked at quite often at this emerging rivalry between the United States and China and the risk of those two countries going to war. So that's the G2. But now there's talk about a G3. So the G3, the group of three of the world's biggest countries. So that's the United States and China plus India. And this um, article highlights the increasing significance of India. And, of course, as we're recording this, we've got the visit of the Indian Prime Minister to Australia at the moment, where he's being greeted by members of the Indian diaspora at a very big rally. So the G3, which we've now got to get our heads around, are the United States, China and India. He comes up with some interesting figures about why the G3 are so important. So he says that starting with population, he makes the comment that in the year 2022, that's last year, China, India and the United States had the world's largest, second largest and third largest (laughs) populations. And you add them all together, that's 3.2 billion people or about 40% of the people on this planet live in China, the United States and India. Yeah, it's a big number. It's a big number. And India is expected to overtake China as the world's most populous country by certainly the year 2050. And of course, as we've also touched on in this program, China has just reached peak population. The Chinese youngsters are no longer having children. And so we're reaching a point where China will start to grow old before it starts to grow rich. So um, we're seeing, obviously, the flourishing cities on the eastern seaboard. There's a lot of China which is now going to become fairly poverty-stricken. So number one is just the sheer number of people. China, India and the United States together have 40% of all the people who live on this planet. So they're three countries and the United Nations has just under 200. So it shows how important those three countries are. And then secondly, the argument from Michael Clare is that the United States and China have long had the world's number one and number two economies. 
India traditionally is in the sixth place and rising. And so the way that it's carrying on, it will this year overtake its former colonial master, the United Kingdom. And so it'll reach number three, certainly by the year 2030, no matter how you do your calculations. So Britain is shrinking, partly because of the exit from the European Union. Meanwhile, India continues to increase. So again, if you look at the issue of economics, those three countries will be major players in the global economy. Another way of looking at this is the way the United States and China are widely assumed to possess the world's two largest, most powerful militaries. Now, in the old days, we would have thrown Russia in as number three. Thanks to the war in Ukraine, we've seen that Ukraine has been able to withstand the Russian invasion. And so um, the number three position can't really now go to Russia. And the suggestion is that India's military at 1.4 million people, compared with China's 2.0 million, is about the same size as America's 1.4 million. Mm. So we see India is creeping up to third position in terms of military equipment. And then number four is the way in which China, India and the United States lead the world in their emissions of carbon dioxide and other climate altering greenhouse gases. So those big three are three in a variety of criteria. And so the suggestion from Michael Clare is that increasingly the future will be dominated by the G3 rather than the G2. What's the relationship like between these three countries? It's a very interesting relationship because obviously India is um, the leader of what's called the non-aligned world. We're really back to the G77. So India and Indonesia decades ago became the leaders of the non-aligned world and they've always seen themselves as fairly neutral. Indeed, as we speak at the moment, India is still loath to get too heavily involved in the dispute over Ukraine because they see themselves as being neither pro-American nor pro-Russian, but they do maintain good links with both countries. So India sees itself as a fairly neutral position in the world. Obviously, the United States is the leader of what used to be called the first world, what we now often call the weird world, Western, educated, industrialised, rich and democratic. And of course, China has always said it's a separate world because it's just given its sheer numbers. Mm. And so we're seeing a bit of juggling between the United States and China. The G7 meeting was very much haunted by what can be done to restrain China. The Americans are following a policy of trying to encircle China and to contain it, which is how they dealt with Russia, Soviet Union, during the Cold War. India, as I say, likes to keep its options open with all the world's countries, but it is worried about China. So it's very interesting that India, which will not join the West when it comes to tackling Russia over Ukraine, is nonetheless willing to work with the West when it comes to China. It does see China as a threat. China is literally on its borders. Yeah. And so we see India, which says it's neutral, but nonetheless is perhaps manoeuvring itself to become a member of the Quad. So the Quad are four countries that are united by their fear of China. So it's the United States, Australia, Japan and India. 
So they've all got different attitudes towards China, but nonetheless, they all express concern about China. It's an interesting combination with the G3. They've all got different policy objectives, Mm. but they're held together by a concern about China becoming too aggressive. Yeah. The thing I found interesting about the article um, you sent me that that we're discussing now was the discussion of how China and India could influence the outcome of the Ukraine war. Tell us about that and how that makes sense. Yeah, this is the suggestion from Michael Clare that, in fact, those two countries hold the key, perhaps, to settling the war. We know the war is going badly for the Russians, but it's not going that brilliantly well for Ukraine. You know, in the long term, the problem for Ukraine is that its Western allies will just be exhausted. You know, one of the complaints that's being made is that Australia is not sending enough equipment. Well, the problem is we've sent them what we've got. We don't have it now. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a limit to the amount of equipment that you can send to Ukraine. And so what what might well end up with, assuming we avoid a nuclear war, is that Ukraine and Russia will pretty well fight themselves to a standstill. We're seeing that already in terms of almost World War I trench warfare. We've had this siege of Bakhmut, which has gone on since last August, mm. has very little strategic significance. But the, the Russians decided they were going to make a stand at Bakhmut The Ukrainians said, all right, well, we'll make a stand as well. And it's a war of attrition. You know, it's this phrase that we used during the First World War that you just kill off as many troops of the other side as you can. But this then ends up with a feeling of a stalemate. The Americans can't negotiate in terms of that because it is clearly supporting Ukraine against Russia. But the suggestion is that India and China are perhaps trusted a little more by both sides. China has put forward its own set of proposals, fairly weak, I think, but at least they are making some proposals. And it may well be that the war will end with some of the land being occupied by Russia, which they've had since 2014, remaining under Russian control, Mm. which means it's a a North Korean-type situation. You know, if you think back to 1953, the conflict in Korea moved into an armistice stage because the North and the South had fought themselves to a stalemate and their respective allies, the United States, China and the Soviet Union. So I think that maybe that's how the Ukrainian war will go. Both sides will fight themselves to a standstill. Neither can have a king hit that will really knock out the other country. And at that point, India and China can then step forward and offer to be mediators and try to settle the dispute. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Thanks for your company this week as we discuss the emerging influence of China and India on the world stage. Just circling back a bit to the the Ukraine war side of things, and the article went on to talk about how the wars exposed America's lack of global influence. What does that mean? Well, what has happened is that America mobilised fully, if you like, after the February 2022 invasion. And President Joe Biden was confident that he can get other countries to come in and support the American defence of Ukraine. Now, the NATO countries generally have come in behind the Americans, but the G77 world, the non-aligned world, have not been that enthusiastic. We saw that last week at the G7 meeting when you had both India 
and Brazil not being that eager to get into the war. And by the same token, China has reprimanded Russia for talking about the use of nuclear weapons. Mm. What we're seeing is that these countries are all running with their own separate agendas. The old days when everybody sort of fell in behind the Americans and did what the Americans wanted, that era has now gone. Now, Australia is still coming in behind the Americans. Yes, I know. Uh, <laughs> and Great Britain. But there are a lot of other countries that are simply saying, no, we've got our own policies. So we're not that interested in following the United States into the wars. Remember the old phrase that they used in Australia, all the way with the USA. Yes. All the way with LBJ. LBJ. That's it. Well, that, that doesn't apply to most of the countries now around the world. So how does America then fit into this idea of a G3 or is it still that it just has this big population and big military spend? Well, there's no formal arrangement regarding the G3. This is something which is just simply being circulated mm. at the moment. But if you look at the trends, we seem to be heading towards a G3 world. We thought at one point it might be a G2 world. That's the United States versus China. But now India is doing so well in terms of its economic growth, etc., that it's now becoming a third component. So the United States needs to work out exactly what it's going to do. Now, this could change after November of next year if Donald Trump's back in the White House because he will just simply say, we're out of here, so it'll be a G2 world of India and China. Mm. The Americans don't want to be part of that tripartite system. And, of course, Trump was would happily have pulled out of NATO if he could have done so. So at the moment, we're in this G3 world. It might become a G2, which is China and India, with the Americans just going home and being isolationist. If the Republicans win that November of next year, mm. the election. What is the likelihood? I mean, the idea of a G3, G7 quad is that these countries try and work together. And we touched on it a little bit before, you know, there's differing values, differing opinions, differing ways of doing things between India, China and the United States. Is there any likelihood that these three countries could work well together? Is there any point in having this conversation if they can't kind of come down the line and go, yep, we're going to work together for this? Well, Michael Clare would say yes, and, and what should bring all three together will be the climate crisis. Mm. And he does identify the way in which under President Obama, the United States worked with China at the Paris session of the UN's climate change negotiations and actually pulled out of thin air pretty well the agreement to work on climate change. That was then cancelled by Donald Trump, mm -hmm. who said he wasn't going to work with anything like that and didn't approve of what Obama had done anyway. So everything Obama did, Trump tried to undo. But we've certainly got, as Michael Clare would point out, prospects of hope here that providing Trump's not back in the White House, there may well be scope for the United States to cooperate with China and India on trying to do something about climate change. Because climate change is the big factor. You know, we talk a lot about the power of China's military, but into the future, a lot of that military will be deployed at home, dealing with floods and other environmental disasters. They're not going to be around to try to cause problems on the global scene. They'll be too busy defending the country, as we do. We use our own military to help with evacuations in flooded areas of Australia. Mm. So these are the common problems for all three countries. Yeah. What do you think, Keith, is the best outcome for the future of world order? Is it that these three countries, you know, take their spot and work together? Or well, is that there would a be my way? preference, yeah. 
That would be my preference, to have a G3 world with those three countries and their immediate allies, like Australia in the case of the United States, would all be working together. That's ideally what one would have. So that's what I would like to see happen, this new G3 world. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. We will. (laughs) Thanks, Keith, for your insights today. Global Truths is presented by Dr Keith Suda and me, Sasha Barber-Gatt. Audio production by Niall Fernandez. Theme and original music by Matt Nikolic.